unders, down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri, Art of War, down under. episode 146 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. My name is always Adam Camilleri, and we are here to discuss the Short Kings, the Potato Men, the Sontarans of the 41st Millennium, <laughs> the Leagues of Votan. I'm joined by the amazing, incomparable Danny Porter uh, of UK Heritage, currently residing in the in the bowels of the uh, the Polish 40k think tank. How you doing, brother? Not bad, man. Potato man, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, so, it's so funny to rib on him, but uh, seriously, it's the squats. The squats are back, and we're doing the Codex retrospective for the squats. Hello, Danny. How you doing? And, and, and tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey with uh, said short kings. Uh, I'm good, man. I'm good. It's uh, it's 9 a.m. in the morning, so I'm less than a week. Um, I, I will say this, I love this, I love the Votan. I'm not gonna call them squats. Um I'm not old enough for that unfortunately, but I love <laughs> the Votan. Um it's one of my favorite codexes. They are my favorite aesthetic, which is a shame cool. because like GSC and my main army. And I've been playing a lot of them since they've come out. So I've been using them in a lot of team tournaments, a lot of singles tournaments. Um and I'm yeah, I, I've had a lot of fun with this codex. Yeah, it's got a lot of problems, but it's also got a lot of good things going for it. Dude, totally agree. So, for those who do not know, Art of World Done Under is a two-part podcast. First part comes out for you guys Tuesday morning. Second part, as always, can be found over on Patreon. Art of World Done Under. This one's going to be a little bit different. I made a bet with a guy at ANZTC, which we just uh, just came back from two weeks ago, that if he went five and zero with Votan, I'd have him on the episode. To that end, Danny's going to be covering part one with us, and the lovely Oliver Johnson from Australia will be covering uh, part two. So, if you wanted to get to part two and listen to Oliver's rundown of his five. Uh, smashing games at ANZTC, literally the top level of team play in Australia. Come over to part two. We're going to be talking about it there. We'll also be reviewing the faction focus for that GW's put out on Wyoming community. So if you want to get any of those bits, um, jump over there. And Danny, anything you would like to plug, mate, or that you may be involved with? So as always, I'd like to shamelessly uh, plug uh, Contact Lost. Um, Contact Lost are one of Public Poland's best podcasts. They cover um, 40k all around the world now, they're trying to do a lot more about uh, teams, a lot more about uh, singles, WTC, ITC, whatever. Um, and they're now going a lot more into written blog as well, because this is something that people have been wanting. Mm. Um, so that's what they're doing. So I would like to shamelessly plug them. Tweak and Joker are doing a fantastic job. Both absolute legends. Highly endorse anything contact loss related. Jump over there and enjoy it at your leisure. Let's jump in, mate, to this review. We're going to be starting on page 49, where they have the det- uh, we have the detachment abilities. And essentially, there's nothing here. It's so funny that how much they have on the <laughs> data sheet abilities and how bare the detachment abilities are. But there's pretty much nothing here. So moving straight on to the leagues. But before we do that, we've missed our two first dot points. Um, where, where were Votan when they first came out? And where are they now? competitively it's, it's a good question actually because technically when they first came out there was nowhere um they got nerfed yes. before they could even see the tabletop so uh, all right yeah let's let's be realistic Bef- when they before they when we all saw the codex because it released really quickly um unfortunately we knew that they were messed up um they were a little too strong their points were a little too efficient and their ability was a little too good. Um, not that GW cared, because then they released um, uh, Guard, who could do the same thing. Exactly and no right. one cared, but hey um, So when they released, they were really strong, and they were a little too points efficient. I think the problem was, is um, GW didn't really know where to put them. They quite obviously wanted them to be an army that is between Horde and Elite, as you can yeah. see from the points cost. However, I don't think they really had a design space in terms of their rules. Mm. And they released the um, the mess up that is the let's a six you know if you auto wound it's a six is to wound and there's a lot yeah. of rules and interaction from that. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be an interesting episode because I'm going to be leaning heavily on um, my good mate Danny to reliably tell me what is in this book and what has actually changed, what has updated because what the, the codex that got released 
was essentially invalidated immediately. And I do, I do apologize to, you know, I'm not going to apologize on behalf of, of, but I feel it on behalf of all the players out there who bought this thing or pre-ordered this thing. And then it was in, it invalidated in, immediately. Like I'm looking at the points section right now, 230 points for Hecaton Land Fortress on release. How many points are they now? Uh, 310. That's, and that's where they start. Yeah. Then you can buy the guns. Um, no, no, the guns are essentially free, if I remember correctly. Uh, you can buy a couple of extra bits, but yeah, it's basically 310. Oh, you can buy the ion blasters, which make it to 330. There you um, go. But Out- outrage. 100 points. <laughs> Yeah, you just yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Your whole army took about a thirty-three to fifty, sixty percent cost, depending on what the unit is. It's insane. Yeah, it is absolutely bonkers. But let us jump in. So please enjoy this episode with that caveat attached. Uh, first up, we're going to be talking about the leagues, and the first up is Greater Thurian League, mate. Um, give us your thoughts on this one. Has this been one that you found uh, mileage with, or has this been here, there, nowhere? <clears throat> so, so, so for me, there are two standout leagues that are above everybody else. You've got EMEA and you've got Greater Thurian. Now, the mileage on these two leagues can depend on two different things. For me, Greater Thurian is the standout league for playing in teams. I agree. As opposed totally to yep. yeah, EMEA, which is a standout for playing in singles. The reason for this is, is two reasons. A, you've got Uthar, which absolutely... Takes the mileage of your fortresses to another level, mm. um, and so a Greater Thurian League is the only league that you can play Uthar in. He's the only named character in the book, um, and you would bring a lot of fortresses and with the Magna Rails, and he'd be able to do their splash damage because it enabled their da- um, their wound roll to be a six. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that's that's really good. So that's one thing. The other thing is then you've got ancestral judgment, so you got a bit more uh, consistency in the damage because you mm. can count a token as being one extra. Um, yep. But then you've also got the reroll to hit all wounds um, when you're making a fight, so it makes your um, magna rails even better. But what is more, be- uh, what is really important on this in comparison to other leagues is the ability to count as two models or five if you're using a fortress. Correct. Because you are so model light in this in this book, right? Exactly, exactly. So you you are really model light, and one of the problems with Voltan is not necessarily being able to play the mission as well as other armies because you've got a lot of you've not got as many units, and you can't mm. always throw them away to, to to play the mission and sit on an objective. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. So what that means is you've got a fortress on an objective in another league. Someone can come and take your your you know that that um that objective off you with just two models. Now exactly. you can sit your chunky boys on these objectives. Throw on some, let's say, throw on some obsec from behind a wall, whatever, mm-hmm. and suddenly it's really hard for them to displace you and start taking away your primary. This is what is really good about GTL um, for me is the primary play. Hundred percent, I could not agree more. And I love how you broke that down as just far deeper than a herder. Let's make the magna rail good with Uthar build, <laughs> which is what a lot of people at face value what you would see this as. But it is like I actually legitimately think, apart from Uthar, I do think Uthar is the best part of Great Ethereum. But apart from Uthar, the next best thing is the is the model count. I think I think absolutely so so amazing. Um, but we're going to skip we're going to skip over a couple of these, which is kind of ridiculous, seeing as these leagues are would be any one of these leagues would be the best option in any other book, right? <laughs> Just about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they, they are all good. The problem is, is uh, let's say for like uh, Trans Hyperion, or uh, you've got Urani. Although Urani is getting a lot of um, weight yeah. at the minute in terms of popularity, they they're all good in their own right. Like if you take them at face value, they're really good. But then when you compare them to Amir or GTA mm. or arguably Cronus, slightly they're not as yeah. good. That's a problem with them. Totally agree. I, I do think Cronus is like. There are so many good ones that aren't just aren't getting explored, and it's so wild mm-hmm. that all of them are so good. But Yumiya, in generally speaking, is just that much better than the rest. But give, but give us the the Yumiya uh, TLDR, mate. <clears throat> okay, so Amir for me is better for singles because you're ability, because you've got the invulnerable save, you've got the defensiveness mm-hmm. that GTL doesn't really have. Um, you're able to take on more armies, and it's a bit more of a safer choice. So yep. you make some mistakes, you have got that invulnerable save to um, sort of you know, carry you along a little bit and um, make up for their mistakes. Emir is really good because of that extra AP as well, um, but it also prov- allows you to make some sort of beam builds with your mm. fortresses. Um, yep. <clears throat> so if GTL is the um, the Magna Rail uh, build, then Emir is absolutely the beam build because the you've got build. that stratagem. Exactly. Um, I- 
I would like to throw out so my favourite has been Urani Surda Regulates from the start. And uh, I mean, I guess it's been, it's taken a while for us to, to for the meta to come around for them, but actually plus one toughness being relevant. But can you imagine if like Necrons just had a plus one toughness freaking house or dynasty? It'd be cranked. They they'd actually might be relevant right now, but never mind, they're not. Haha. Ha. Uh- <laughs> I'll tell you this. I think Arani's really good. My problem is there's too much high AP, high damage in the game. Exactly. So I would love, I would love, this is why I'm not running Cronus. For me, Cronus is my, I love it the most. I love what it provides. I like that whole, you, we've become um, the, the, the same sister's detachment. You can get, for me, Berserkers are my standout favorite unit. Yeah. However, nice. the problem is, and why I don't run Urani either, is like a plus one toughness on your forts with no reroll to wound. That's great. However, if your opponent spikes, like, Right now, we've seen a lot of um, Iron Hands is very prevalent. A lot of Space Marines are coming out with their AP5 Melters. Now, that sounds like mathematically is probably better to have that plus one toughness because they're wounding your vibes. However, what happens if your opponent does spike their rolls? It, it does happen. And suddenly, you've not, got, you've not really got a save. You've got a six mm. up on your fortresses. Everything else dies. I don't like that. I don't like to risk it. I much yeah. prefer... DMA because you get that survivability with the invulnerable saves. Well, that's such a top tier um, perspective as well because a lot of people would be like, oh, more toughness, more better. But then you don't want to play a game style that relies on your opponent not rolling well. Exactly. To, to, to be relevant. Uh, yeah, I'd much rather trust in my own roles than uh, rely on anybody else's, which is exactly the dichotomy between Yumiya and Yurani. Um, and but uh, overall, I think the league section of this book is possibly the best section. Well, actually, the second best section of this book. <laughs> I think the council is the best section of this book. But this, the fact of the matter is, every single one of these is playable. Yeah. Uh, let's let's put this out there now. Everything in this book is playable. Everything. Mm. That is why it's such a good book. Awesome to hear. All right. Are any of the build-your-own-leagues worth talking about or discussing? Or none of them touch the sides because um, of how the, big the regulars are? Actually, so, so this is the other thing. Um, again, it... The established league customs are really good. Really, really good. And there's a lot of playability in there. My problem as well is is if I go to a table and I want to win a singles or I want to go 4-1 or 5-0, am I really going to trust my my utility in them over the invulnerable saves of, and the extra AP on them? I'm not. Correct. If the yeah. meta ever switched away from like being spamming AP5 melters, then mm-hmm. I would absolutely run something wild. Like I had a list of 100 warriors and it did quite, it did Hell quite yeah. well in some tests. Oh, yeah, that's so fun. cool. That is so cool. But, but then what happens is something will come along the way with something like AP3 or AP4 melee, anti-horde melee, and suddenly you die. So yeah. this book is would be, like, the actual uh, leagues would be fantastic in 10th, where there's a reduction in, um, uh, you know, reduction in um, uh, output. But unfortunately in 9th, it's just gone so killy that you can't rely on it. Well, the, the fact is, yeah, in Ninth, it's so killy and you have so few models. And when everything kills everything, exactly. the guy with more trading pieces, it just, just, like, I think, Absolutely. I think about the Votan versus Space Wolves matchup and I just, like, throw up in my mouth. It's just so bad. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, next up, we have the stratagems. Tell us some of your go to strats here. And is this a good section of the book? All right. So for me, um, the stratagems for Votan are the, probably the best in the game. This is what Ooh. I, this is where I see the most value in the book is the stratagems. Mm-hmm. Because they are really, really good, and almost on almost all of them are usable. Mm. Uh, so let's say, so for example, um, I'll open the book and we can find some really good ones. But um, reactive reprisal—this is something that a lot of people don't get value from. But for me, it's absolutely phenomenal. So for example, uh, one of the combinations I like to do is I play in mirror, and a lot of times I bring eighteen bikes because yep. you know you get you can get a lot of value out of them. You get plus one toughness. Six or feel no pain from this um, from the Grimnir, and they can be quite tanky. But if you say you want to advance them into like a, a high, like a certain area where you can force your opponent to swing round and overextend, you can throw them no re rolls and minus one to be hit. Um, throw if make sure you got a token on something. Let's say a Lehman Russ. He yep. shoots at you. He does it. He kills maybe one bike, and then you can use reactive reprisal to shoot him back. Um, and that that's a really good trade up. You can't. You can't shoot in your next turn, but what you can do is you can use that to shoot something and then move and go and take an objective or do your yeah. prospects or whatever. Or going back exactly into strategic right. reserves. 
Yeah, or you um, know, doing R and D, chucking down a banner. There's a lot of ways to optimize that. Exactly. It just what it helps to do is it helps to just push your units into a little bit of extra utility and allow them to go a little bit more mileage. And on a model count army where you've really not got the units that can go and do these um, these actions. So I yep. really like things like that. But then there's a lot of utility strats. The war gear stratagem section for me is the best one. Dude, like, I, um, I, I'm so glad you said it. I need to I need to pause for a second and tell you about the most frustrating uh, most frustrating one that I've seen. <laughs> this is pan spectral warning. This is the two CP essentially or spec scan, which usually you'd be like, oh yeah, two CP for you know a keyword scan a unit. You're like, surely that's not everything in the book. And then you realize <laughs> everything in the book can or spec scan you for two CP. And then the Votan player just laughs at everything you've got in reserve. Ha 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 fool. Essentially. Because it's so annoying, man. Sorry, you continue. No, no, it's, it's, a, it's a fundamental point, actually. When you've got, say, three fortresses and they're just set up in the middle. Correct. In GTL, even better. They're set up in Correct. the middle. They're just enjoying their life. And your opponent mm. wants to charge them. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Dude, um, it's, it's, it's nuts, man. It's so nuts. Anyway, keep going. Tell us about some other go-tos. No, that, that, that's great. The thing for me is there's so much utility in the book. That's why I like the book. I'm a, I'm very much, I'm not a, a player that prefers raw power and just pure mm. aggressive data sheets. I like utility. I like GSC, being able to right? have tools. Exactly, exactly. I like rules that every time there's a situation, I have something in my belt, I can outplay um, and punish. And this is what is really good about the stratagems is there's a lot of utility. So you mm. can turn off Overwatch or if you've... I always bring one um, grenade launcher in my Berserkers because you've got the fight last half yeah. the movement strat, which is phenomenal, and a lot of people don't utilize this as much. Um, and then you've got things, um, which is um, subterranean explosives. You've got things like the site-to-site transport, which is fantastic, actually. We'll, we can come to that later. But mm. that allows you to reposition one of your units because you can pick them up yeah. um, and, te- and you know teleport them, etc. But then you've got... I- Sorry, go on. Was I right in remembering that there's two full full rerolls to hit stratagems, or is there only one? There are two rerolls to hit stratagems. Yeah. So there's one if you've, your opponent has a token, you can yep. reroll all hit rolls. That's a Nuts. little strong for one CP. I won't mm-hmm. lie. Uh, I'm not going to defend it. It's very strong. Then you've, also <laughs> got, uh, you've also got the reroll hit roll stratagem if you've got a berserker squad. Yeah. Um, then you've got a reroll wound roll stratagem if you've got two core units within melee range. So mm-hmm. if you've got two berserkers, but it, it very barely ever comes into play but allowing you to so what you can do is you can charge three units of berserkers it's a lot of cp but you can charge three units of berserkers in a turn and be really clinical with them especially when they fight on death um so yeah absolutely there's a lot of really good strats in here now that you've said it just looking at some of these these ones i randomly just forgot existed case in point uh where's the magna rails one magna sorry the magna one for bikes Magnus. One CP for a Votan biker, yeah. Okay, so I play Ravenwing, and when I advance, I can spend one CP for minus one to hit. When these guys just move, you can spend one CP for minus one to hit. If they advanced, you can't re-roll to hit against them. And you know, you you're already void arm, so you can't re-rolls to wound. So you might as well hit no reels to hit real reels to wound. <laughs> one CP, man, that's just such a better rate than everyone else has this, got. It's really good. This actually for me, this is one of the more balanced stratagems. Um Votan, <laughs> I love it. Votan cannot advance and shoot. That's correct. Um, they're also very, exactly. They're also very, very small in terms of how many units are on the board. So, mm. And bikers are high-value targets in this army. They really do a lot. So if you're sacrificing the abilities for your bikers to shoot, I think this is this is a fair strategy because you're sacrificing... You're, you're giving yourself defensiveness instead of offensiveness. Mm. Um, and that, for me, is like the epitome of what a balanced strategy should be. That is fair. I mean, I just wish my bikes had the same thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. but, I mean, yeah, that's fair, actually. Yeah, that, that's okay. That's understandable. I get no, it's totally fine. I'm just wishlisting, brother. Um, in totality, <laughs> you think the stratagem section is one of the best sections of the book? Who do you think, in the, in the ranking of stratagem sections for ninth edition, where does this rank for just complete sweets? For me, this is S-tier ranking. This is one of the top three, easily. Um, Wild, love to hear. And it. I, I, yeah, and I thought GSC had the best strats in the game, and then I saw this book, and I was like, these strats are on fire. Um, <laughs> yeah, because all of them are usable. All of mm. them. It's insane. All right, jumping down next, we have the Votanic Council, which in my mind is the best 
version of the, is the best part of the game because the Brokia Forge Master resides here and he is, <laughs> is still so busted. But tell us about this section, mate. Tell us about the other entries. Are all of them good? Uh, the, yeah, they're all good. Actually, the only thing that I rarely ever use is the Lord Grimnir. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly because I think that I think the problem is is you barely ever use a Grimnir anymore because he's 100 points. Yeah. Like, I mean, he brings some fantastic spells, but when everything else is expensive, you just don't have the points for him anymore. He's really good if you're going to bring, like, for example, the, you know, big squads of bikes because of the six of film or pain and the plus one toughness, but I don't really use him. And because of that, I don't ever use him um, with his Voltanic console. Now, the other two I absolutely do. Um, if I'm going to bring a Carl, or I'm going to bring a Forge Master, nine times out of ten or 99% out of 100 times... Yeah. I'm bringing a high Carl and I'm bringing a Forge Master because their abilities are amazing. So let's look at the high Carl, right? He essentially brings um, a full reroll, Chapter Master rerolls to one of your units, one of your core units, which outside of, which is pretty much everything. All your infantry and your bikers are core. So that's a really good strat, a uh, really good strat, really good ability. Uh, but then he's also bringing Ancestral Judgment. Um, so what that does is allows you to start. So Tokens are really good. We'll not go into if they're broken or they're overpowered in terms of how you uh, how you um, give them to a unit because personally, I don't think they're that strong in the sense that a smart opponent can outplay them. There's a reason why this army is very much a uh, menace to the midboard and not winning all the tournaments. Anyway, um, we can touch on that later. The, sure. what, this, what this does is he allows you to give a steadier stream and sort of snowball them tokens, which allows you to start winning the game and, and mm. putting out the pressure. But also you've got things like Experience Die, which is quite a good Warlord trait. Um, you take it always on Uther if you need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, it's more for the high Kyle Reavals because it's just high, really good value for me. Absolutely agree. Although and- he is expensive. And the uh, Brokia Forge Master, who upon release was pos- very possibly the best single model in the game. Um, I don't know, if it's, don't know if he still is. He's probably pretty close. He's he's phenomenal. So the thing is, is I think the Forge Master is um, not the most well understood uh, unit in the game. Mm. So he has value in almost everything that he does, even if you don't bring vehicles. So he gives yes. plus one to yeah. hit to almost yeah he gives plus one to hit to almost everything. It, um, he can change um, you know if, if he can make one of your failed saves z- uh, zero damage, which is really good for vehicles, mostly for your um, for your Hecaton land fortresses. But he, he can do a lot more. So he can um, go out and do all of your um, actions and shoot. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Which is really good. He can advance and do actions. So if you really need to get out and go to a wide, say you want to do prospects and you want to go and do it on a wider um, objective without sacrificing one of your bike squads early, then he can go and do that. Um, or you can go and do banners and start that early. There's a lot of flexibility, but also when you get into the warlord traits and the relics, he can start becoming a machine in terms of the combinations that you can come out with. So for me, he's really good, and I tend to take him now in every build that I go with as my first character. I I rarely, I don't know, I don't know if I've ever noticed or seen a list that doesn't have him as one of the HQs. It's it's absolutely buck wild how good that guy is. Yeah, for me, this is the best section of the book. I suppose I can't really say it's better now that you've pointed out that the stratagem section is so complete because <laughs> like two two thirds of this of this Votanic Council is absolutely cranked, and then the other one's kind of just like plain Jane in the corner. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, so, I, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the Grimnir would be fantastic um, had he not been so expensive. I don't know why he's so expensive at all, to mm. be honest with you. Um, he's, yeah. Fair enough. But moving on to the Relic section, <laughs> give, us the, give us the lowdown here. I know there's a couple that always make the cut here, one of them being the, I think it's a Teleport Crest, when everyone takes on their Hearthguard. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of really good relics. Um, I think there's some staples that a lot of people take, like you mentioned, Warp Strike. Um, yep. That's that's absolutely a staple. Especially, you should. I think most lists should be bringing a half guard squad. They, for a couple of reasons. First of all, Warp Strike. Yes, it allows you to do the teleport stratagem for free. Mm-hmm. So if you really want, you could get two repositionings. On your um, on your half guard by first of all you deep strike them shoot something and then in the next turn they can teleport which is yeah. absolutely phenomenal 
in the sense that you know you're getting way more mileage out of your mobility than than usual. However, that's not just what for me is really important. It's also the fact that they can prevent reinforcements within 12 inches. Yeah, and that's huge. Yeah, mm. it's huge because it unlocks a lot of different um, different matchups where you ne- might necessarily struggle. So demons is a big demons. One. Yeah, it's huge. The amount of time I can't tell you this. The amount of times I've teleported a half guard squad into a demons um, deployment zone, deleted whatever's <laughs> in the deployment zone, and like, right, well, this is mine now. You're not getting there. Um, <laughs> I love that. It's yeah, it's so silly. It's so fun. It really helps with GSC, which is also a really bad matchup for Votan. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also helps with a lot of things, things like Grey Knights or uh, potentially. Uh, I had one World Eaters, for example. Uh, World Eaters can't necessarily now deep strike with some eight bound and try and yep. get you, and it stops that, and that's really important. Um, so that's a really high value relic. I won't go through them all, but I will list off some that I found are really good in a lot of games. So you've got Richard's End. Richard's End is one you throw on your car, and it makes it turns him into a sniping machine when you mm-hmm. combine that with one of the Warlord traits, because it makes his weapon minus two AP, two damage, um, and automatically uh, wounds if he's got one or more judgment tokens. Uh, so that's really good. Then you've got things like Actors Fortresses, which can be fantastic when you throw that onto an Emir um, and her champion when you've got the Warlord trait on him for the extra damage. Then you've got things like the Exactor. So the Exactor is, again, best on a Einher champion. And it turns that the hammer into, if you roll a six to hit, is D3 plus three mortal wounds instead of just base damage, which is insane. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of playability around this. Um, and then there's another one that I really like that a lot of people don't use is the first knife. Uh, just because it allows your Cal, your Grimnir, mostly your Grimnir, so if he wants to sit on a backfield objective, if someone comes close, what it does is um, you roll a dice. If you hit, you make one additional attack. If you hit, you do one D3 plus one additional mortal for every token on the unit. So you can do quite a few mortals with it. It's quite nice. Yeah. It is, it is quite nice indeed. Um, is this a good section of the book? Are there more wins than losses here, or is this kind of mediocre? Or uh, bit, no, there are more wins and losses, I would say. Um, like, so for example, the Volum's Master Artifice is not bad. It's quite good. It's a, it turns your um, thunder, thunder, uh, your broke here Thundermaster into a beam weapon, which his yep. ability is going is really good. Um, there's a lot of them that aren't amazingly good. Um, things like... The great, uh, great Crest is okay, but you lose quite a little bit out of that if you take it. Memory Stave is fantastic, but nowadays, because of the change to psychic um, actions, you no longer take that because it's not pretty crap. Um, but more, more, more so than not, it's a really well, um, well thought out relic section. I really like it. There's a lot of good combos in there. Fantastic, mate. Moving on, next up, we have the Warlord Traits. Give us your thoughts here. Okay, for me, this is the one where a lot of people don't really experiment well with, and I really like it. I think this is a really well-fleshed-out Warlord trait book. It's not it's not got a lot of obvious, obvious ones, but it's got a lot of utility ones. So uh, let's go with the obvious one, a long list. This is one that you would combine on a car with a Gridge's End, and that turns your car into a sniper. What it also does is it allows you to start putting out tokens. So when something is destroyed... Um, your cow, if your cow can see another unit, you can then put a token on that unit. So it allows you to start shifting and start creating that snowball for tokens that we mentioned earlier. Uh, yeah. A couple, so go on. No, go, go, absolutely. Yeah, a couple of ones that are really good. So you've got Unrelenting Toil. Mm-hmm. Um, Unrelenting Toil for me is fantastic yeah. on ones such as you want to take prospects. Um, and I really like this. So if you want to take prospects, the problem with prospects is is one of your units is is which is most likely going to be a biker unit is out of the game for one turn because it can't shoot. Yeah. yeah. This yeah this allows them to do that. Um, obviously you have to string a little bit back because it is an aura, uh, but it allows them to shoot and then do actions, which is phenomenal, absolutely fantastic. Especially if you can keep doing this, you've got say it's like mission thirteen. You've got one object, two objectives on the left hand side, two on the right. You can start doing prospects as you're rotating around the board, and I really like it. Um, then we've also got things like grim demeanor. Grim demeanor absolutely annihilates 
combined with Warp Strike, absolutely annihilates the Demons matchup. I've never lost to Demons with this uh, combination because they just can't do their leadership Deep Strike shenanigans anymore. Yep, yep. That's huge. Um, yeah, exactly. And it's an aura, so you can start stringing out units, your warriors, your bikes, um, your ha- half, uh, your, yeah, it doesn't really matter with your, um, your, um, your Terminators because they've got the Warp Strike, but it really just shuts down their jank, which is really good. Mm-hmm. But then you've got things like Guild Affiliate, so naturally you you don't have a lot of obsects. You've got bikes and warriors. What this allows you to do is to start playing around with the Thunderkin, um, with your um, your other units, and you don't have to necessarily take the warriors. You can start taking other things, then they'll get obsect. What it also is good, though, is it allows you to get, put double obsect onto your bikes and allow them to run forward and start taking objectives or preventing um, things from your opponent, which I really like. So, from, and then obviously we've got the Warrior Lord, which just makes yep. your um, champion quite the beat stick. He's, yeah, turns him up to 11. Um, and in fact, there's a lot of things that turn the Iron Here champion up to 11. I still find it amusing that he can be so good value and still not make a lot of lists, just to show you how much competition there are for the HQ slots in this book. Exactly. Um, I I use him a lot, and I'm using him actually in a, in a team tournament, like UKTC's biggest team tournament next week. So I'll be taking him. I think he's got a lot of good value. Dude, exciting. Uh, so in saying that, the, the I mean, from what you said, the Wall of Traits are all bangers again as well? Yeah, the Warlord traits are fantastic. It's like what we've not touched on is when you go into the actual leagues, their Warlord traits are amazing as well. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, so just pointing out, Amir's Warlord trait giving, um, let's say, the Iron Hair Champion plus one damage on a yep. weapon that doubles hits. So you can go yeah. Eight, <laughs> yeah, eight swings and damage two, which is amazing, AP3. Mm. Um, now that you've, we've covered the relic section and the warlord trade section, how much, how many of these are you, are you spending for pre-game in most of your lists? <laughs> uh, a lot of times, I start on one or zero CP. I see. That's so. I see. I, lo- I love that, but it's also so wild with how amazingly good the stratagem section is. It just, it's, it, it's crazy the balance between them and trying to cut it. Yeah, seems big. Yeah, absolutely. This is a problem, but at the same time, I think if you're able to play the game with a bit of self-restraint, which a lot of people can't, and not blow all your stratagems, um, all your CP turn one, or you can just like save it for when you absolutely need to pop them stratagems. These warlord traits and the relics are really good. Like getting like for example, I really want warp strike, I really want a smash I'm here champion at the minute. I do like having utility on my Carl. So whether it's Grudges End and a long list. Or perhaps it's, I want to go with the first knife and I yep. want to go with something like Guild of Philia or Unrelenting Toil, then I start with one or two or zero. But yeah. it's well worth it, in my opinion. All right. Next up, we have the Skyward Discipline, which, I mean, I've I've played maybe five games against Votan. I've never played against a Grimnir. And this is the only place mm-hmm. you can get this, right? So is this a, is this a good trait? If the Grimnir was worth taking, is, is this a reason to take it? So the spells are actually quite good. Um, they're not as good as other armies. In like for me, again, GSC, GSC and Eldar are usually the ones that have the best ones. Exactly, uh, they're not as good as them. However, if, if let's say the Grimnir was eighty points and everything else was a little bit cheaper, so I could field. If I could bring now a Grimnir in addition to everything else in my list, I one hundred percent would. And in some builds, he he is a necessity because uh, fortify fortify it's is fantastic. Huge. Mm. It's huge. Plus one toughness on on an army that has um, a void armor, but also yeah. the six up feel of pain. Let's say my favorite is using this on either um, half guard mm-hmm. or on bikes because it just gives them that much needed uh, defensibility that they don't provide. So that feel of pain, that plus one toughness is huge. So that already is a really good reason to bring him. However, yep. interface echo, which is the CP regen. On yep. a five warp charge is it's, amazing. Oh man, it's nuts! It's it's probably the second best one. I think the best one is most likely the ethereal that just gets you a CP on a two plus. But this is pretty yeah. freaking good. It is, yeah. It is, but what is really good about it is the fact that you can. It doesn't limit you generating CP anywhere else. Oh, um, it, it doesn't doesn't yeah limit any other region if you had so you had if you got five plus you know refund on your spending you can still do that too which is wild exactly exactly there is a um, there is a I think it's either a trait or a relic in one of the um, leagues that you can regenerate that mm-hmm. CP on a five plus so 
suddenly what it allows you to do is be a bit more flexible with how much you spend your CP pregame because you've got that quite quite good generation, except I always fail it, to be honest with you. <laughs> but it usually is a really good spell. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it's really good. The other ones, uh, the obvious one is then you've got things like no Vortex. It's on an yep. 8 if you do have the um, if you do have the high cancel Grimnir, then you do get plus one to cast. If a unit's got an enemy token within eighteen, so it, it's not too bad on the seven, but still, it's within twelve inches. It's a bit of a if you need it, it's there. If you need it, if you you know, and if you don't need it, then yeah, then you don't use it. But then you've yep. got some really good mortal wound output. I was testing a build where I take like. Um, a couple of Grimnirs at one point where yeah. I would just start using mortal wounds and it was quite good, but then they became too expensive. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. overall it, it is a pretty good, it is a quite a good thing. I mean, if you had, if, if you had like a, a second tier caster, like if a Grimnir yeah. was a Libby and could cast two, then you had like a, a medium one that could just cast one hundred percent. You would slap that guy in for like 75 points just to take four to five. Right. 100%, exactly. Yeah. Um, you switch between Fortify or Interface Echo, depending on yep. if, if you could learn to, depending on how, how the game is progressing. But uh, yeah, this is this is a problem with the book, is GW have just outcosted everything to the point yeah. where you can play everything and you want to, but you just can't, and it's so frustrating. Yeah. The, it's, it's throwing the internal balance out of whack. Um, mm-hmm. All right, moving on to the secondaries, which I will say, on release and in this book and now, are the kind of the weakest parts of the whole codex because they ain't amazing by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, so I have my own personal issues with how GW balance secondaries in this game. I yep. think I think it's the one thing that they failed at with ninth. Um and Votan coming out and having their secondaries just shows that. So for example, we start we start with four in the book. Um you've got the um ancestors are watching, you've got Grudge, you've got Lay Claim and you've got Prospects. Now here's the issue. First of all, prospects. Um it, it, it can be really good and it can be absolutely unplayable. And the problem is, is it's just not consistent. So some yeah. let's let, let, let's compare that to get the good bits. So you get you, yes. know, you get the good bits. Your grots <laughs> can just walk onto an objective, do an action. Doesn't matter who who the fuck is there. They can do the action. They complete it. You get fifteen points in two turns. Who cares? Yeah. With your That's with the right. worst the worst unit in your army gets you an auto fifteen. With the worst um, the, unit the, in the army. It's so it's that's why it's so busted. Like if you if you had a version to get the good bits, but you had to do it with a unit of six bikes, it wouldn't be good. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Now now with that in mind, compare that to prospects, where yes, you can complete an action at the start of your when you at the end of your turn. However, you can't start that action if any any of your enemies is on the action, Mm -hmm. and you can only do it with an infantry or biker unit. Um all right, you get three points if you do it, and then if you roll a six plus plus one, if it's that you've got a scanner unit like you would on the bikes, yep. um, if you if then you've got to roll a dice of five plus or six plus to get an additional three points at the end of the game. It's just so crap. It's yeah, it, there's a, there's an extra layer of terms and conditions that just should not be there when it compared to every yeah. other as contemporaries. Exactly, this lack of consistency is my biggest problem in in ninth is the secondaries. It's just not a balanced playing field. Um, and then things like lay claim, lay claim can be really good, except if you go first and you're not tabling your opponent. If your opponent's smart, you're not scoring it um, at yeah. all. So it's not reliable. Grudge match, what, grudge match and ancestors are one of the better ones. And then they got rid of grudge match, and I was like, why yeah. get get rid of grudge match and not prospects or lay claim? Yeah. It makes no sense. And ancestors so, are watching is you get essentially points for killing things that have grudge tokens on them, yeah. Exactly. Um, however, you lose points for every, every yeah. surviving unit that has a token. I honestly, I legitimately thought in Arcs of Omen that bit was just going to get deleted. That they're just going to say, "Cool, there's no downsides anymore. You just get like like Codex Warfare, kill the thing with the thing. Oh yeah, get the points. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like I have no idea what what they were thinking when they made this. Um, and. It already had like all right, great. You can score it every phase, but like like you just mentioned, space marines don't score per phase. They just score per doctrine, and they can Correct. sit in a doctrine at fifteen. Yeah. And, and but it's wild. And this this unfortunately, the ancestors are watching is has been proven to be a bad take against better opponents. I've seen yeah, dudes. Hopping Celestine onto objectives to get to get grudge tokens on her, then you know Yolo, you can't kill her now. You're never going to get a fifteen kind of stuff. Um, 
it's just punishes. Rough. Yeah, it, it's it's rough. it's rough. And then they removed Grudge Match, which was my favorite because it allowed some other builds. Like it made things like Berserkers good value, and then yeah. they removed that. The, the other annoying thing is Ancestors are watching is in No Prisoners. It's, yes, is in so No like, Mercy No Respite. Yeah. Exactly. It's just I, it's, I just don't fathom that, unfortunately. Um, so what they kind the problem we vote on at the minute is the biggest issue is secondaries. There's just no real good secondaries. It's kind of like the problem that Tyranids had, except we just don't have the values Tyranids had in terms of yeah. points value. So there's no good secondaries. Vote. This is where Rotan really, really struggle. Agreed. Um, I think it's easily the worst part of the book, and we're going to move on to the data sheet abilities, which is just like where half of the, all the or half of all the book is is in the data sheet <laughs> ability somehow. Um, but the first one I will say is a big swing and a miss, which is the hunter weapons, which I actually can't tell you why they exist. I, I've got no reason think, why hunter weapons exist. I can because it, the thing about hunter is that it has no positives but no negatives. It, it it just exists, and there was no natural keyword. For yep. that, um, so they brought it now with Hunter. So it's good. It's both good and bad. You don't take a penalty for moving. Um, you don't. You know. You don't have a lot of negatives. You don't have any positives. I kind of like it. it. Okay. It was yeah. It was a weapon profile that the game needed. I think. Um, although yeah. Yeah, fair point. Because I look at it, obviously, like it's a weapon profile with no reason to exist. But then when you say they just wanted to make something that was just null, that had no effect. Exactly. Heavy, wasn't assault, wasn't rapid. Because every other one comes with a caveat. They wanted to make one that was just nothing. That had no caveat at all. Exactly. That makes sense. Didn't see it like that, actually. So that does make sense, mate. Thanks for sharing. Um, Next up, we have Eye of the Ancestors, which is your grudge token mechanic, yeah? (laughs) Unpack this. How How is this on release in the Codex, and what is it now? All right, all right. I w- admittedly, I think it's too strong. Okay, I would say that. Like, I-, I like to be very unbiased when I approach this codex. I think it's I got some good that. things. I think it's got some yeah. bad things. A lot of people cannot seem to take this approach. They're either, oh my god, this is the most unfun army I've ever played against, or this is just really crap, crap army because they've they played it post nerf. But for me, ancestors is the problem with the codex, and this is why it got massively nerfed. Now, um, now, no one can tell me that auto wounding is a bad mechanic when uh, Hail of Doom has been a thing and no one complained about that or the, the players didn't. And no one has seen, no guard players have seemed to have complained about auto wounding with Born Soldiers, uh, especially with auto wounding on a 5 plus with Kazakin. Um, yeah, however, yeah. they've all complained about Eye of Ancestors. So I just think it's like, you've got my toy, but it's better. So I'm going to complain about it. For me, I do think it's bad. I don't think that, that you should be wounding, auto wounding on a 4 plus. I think it should have maxed out at a 5 plus with three tokens, and one judgment token probably should have been something like, I don't know, um, auto wounding on a 6, 2 being like plus 1 AP or something, and then 3 yep, being auto yep. wounding on a 5. Yep. Um, it sh- also should never, ever auto wound and count as a 6. This is I thought, a big dude, issue. That's what I thought the 3 should have been. Personally, I thought the 1 should have been a 6, 2 should have been a 5, and 3 should have been a 5 or a 6 counts as wounding as a 6. And that's what I thought the, the, the third tier should be. But sorry, you go on. Now, it's possible that that, should, that could be a thing if there wasn't... The problem with this book is there's not... a lot Outside of bikes, there isn't actually a lot of volume per point per model. Um, yeah. All right, yeah. fortresses do have 18 shots with their ions. However, they're 310 points. Exactly right. The problem with this army is efficiency. So I can take my 16 bikes and get my 44 shots, but I'm going to re-roll everything. Um, that becomes a problem when you can auto wound. And this is where I think everybody doesn't, they don't quite understand that this is the issue, but they think that they know there's an issue and it's the issue with the efficiency. This book is very efficient. Immensely. Immensely. And this is where, yeah, this is, so you don't miss a lot because you're rerolling everything. Uh, You've got so many ways to reroll the hit roll that your opponent's like, oh my God, if they hit me, I'm dead. I can't do anything about it. Yeah. Um, and because of that, part of the reason with that is why I don't think sixes to, to wound should exist because there's a lot of interactions with that ability and because it's so efficient mm. that it just it, it feels bad. And even I know that. I, I hate it. When they made that change, I was like, right, this is good because now it takes a bit of pressure off the opponent. They don't think that every time you shoot them and it auto-wounds, they're going to die. 
Um, correct, correct. I mean, I, I suppose this got less relevant later on in the edition. I mean, think, I think Arcs of Omen, where everyone just got free stuff all the freaking time, um, made this less relevant. But the, the meta this was coming into would have been annihilated by this, I strongly believe. Yeah, I... Now, this is the this is the other thing. This is why I was a bit on the fence when people were telling me it's the most broken codex, and I'm like, it is not because I'm now, not, yeah, I'm not I'm not too sure if it's the most broken codex ever. I still think Tyrannis was the most broken codex. Um, and Harlequins. Yeah, Harlequins was for for exactly one unit and one rule, like. Tyrannids were holistically busted, <laughs> that, and that's that's yes, why I call them yes. the most. Because you could look at no matter what section of their freaking book you looked at, you found something that was better than everybody else's. Um, Absolutely, yeah, Tyrannids was uh, beyond a joke. Yeah, so Tyrannids was beyond a joke. But for me, this there is a lot of problems with the, with Voltan that is easily outplayable by good players. That again, Correct. that is so. I do think that they would be maybe a 10, 15% more win rate than they're at now when they came out. But there were still some big bads in the meta, like the Harleys that would abs- absolutely shut down Votan. So I, I don't think it would have been as game-destroying as people think, because Tyrion is also, at the time, wrecked Votan because of the mortal wounds, and they were also very prevalent. So I don't think it is as broken as people think, but I do think, yeah, I, I think he's really strong. It the, was the so, problem, I, the problem I was going to have with it is that it was going to be a non-event for three quarters of the time, and then Votan players were going to get to the top tables and maybe lose to somebody who had yes. tools for them. But yes. we had, I had mates who were rolling out games with proxied Votan, <laughs> and, and they were talking about killing 1,600 points in their first shooting phase of their opponent's army and stuff like that, which should just not exist. It should not be in the game. I mean, and that was turn one before like, they really jacked up the, the grudge tokens. Yeah, but it's not like we don't see that. We didn't see that with uh, Tyranids or we didn't see that with Tau or, or anything like and that. And Freebooters um, and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly, and Freebooters and um, and a lot of other armies. Drukari, well, Drukari was like turn two, but I think... Yes, <laughs> same difference. The problem with this army was it was no more cancerous than any of the others, but there wasn't a dedicated player base. So, like, Guard, when for me, Guard coming out is one of the most brutal and broken codexes that have come out because they have every tool possible. However, because people, a lot of people played Guard, a lot of people own Guard, they don't, they they have a bit more of a bias towards it. So they can, they can say, oh, actually, it's not that bad because they've not got X, Y, and Z. But when Votan so, come out... So, <laughs> so you're saying there wasn't enough uh, Potato Man stands out there to exactly. stand up the leagues of Votan to, to exactly. deny their, their nerf? Exactly. There wasn't a... Um, there wasn't... No, I mean, let's be serious. There wasn't... It's a brand new army. In term, it's a yeah. brand new army. It's not been played. You make a good point. So... The, there wasn't any roasting to goggles to say actually, yeah, it, it is broken, but at the same time there are some bad there are some bad elements of the book, so we can accept that it is a bit too strong. Um, there wasn't any of that, so everyone was instantly like, oh, it's a broken book, we don't want it. Unlike Drukari, Admech, um, Orcs, Tyranids, Harleys, Tau, whatever. Um, the problem with this book for me is Magna Rail. The Magna Rail rifle, um, it yep. should not be excess damage. So to tell us about this. How does this work? This is the one, this is the spillover on a six to wound, yeah? Yeah, so this is the spillover. So basically what happens, you hit your wound. If you get a, if you wound with a six, now it's ignoring the vulnerable saves, which is another problem. Um, so what that basically means is 90% of the time, your opponent isn't getting a save. But if you roll a six to wound, which there are some ways to do that originally, if you just auto-wounded, it always rolled a six to wound. Mm-hmm. You, you could kill anything in the game. Correct. So you could, yeah, it was anti-infantry, anti-elite, anti-tank, anti-monster, anti-everything. And that for me, this is one of the problems with the book was people would come out, they'd bring three fortresses or like 230 points. They would bring three magna rails and they could delete yep. anything in the game. This was anything. Easy. Did not matter anything. how many models you had in the unit. They, they could They could kill all of them. It was exactly absolutely busted. Exactly, and that was the uh, that was the underlining issue with the book. Um, so I'm a. I don't think this should ever be a thing. I'm I'm kind of glad that it has been fixed, sort of in tenth. Um, I still think I still think anti. Well, it's still going to be a problem if there is an Uthar interaction where you can change the six to wound because it'll just turn into mortals, which is the same fucking thing. <laughs> yep. 
Yep. But it's good that they're curbing this kind of issue because this is a problem. They should have just had it like the Tau one where, it, you know, if you wounded, you did DD mortals in addition. Mm-hmm. Exactly um, right. They should have just had the same as the Railgun. Um, I'd also like to note exactly. that in this, the, 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 um, uh, the data slate abilities, there's also Steady Advance, which is essentially the same thing Death Guard get, where they just ignore all the modifiers to advances and charges, and then you auto-advance... Oh, sorry, you um, you auto-advance three? Three inches. Yeah, three, yep. unless you're accelerated, which is six. I, you, I like you this... choose, Should you choose yeah. to, right? You can chance to, yeah. to roll higher than a three if you if you wish, though, yeah? Um, No, no, you don't make a roll. Okay. You just, yeah, it's just well, each time it makes an advance. Yeah. In, yeah, instead, yeah, exactly. you, you add roll. three. Yeah, I always thought exactly. there was an option, and just no one chose to do it because it was always better just, just give the three. <laughs> but I always assumed no, no. there was an option. Never mind. No, no, that's um, no steady advance is fine. I think on an army that moves five inches, um, it's absolutely vital to ignore modifiers. Um, especially, yeah, like for example, berserkers. There's so much minus two to move or charge in the game. They would just never get anywhere, and they would die. Uh, I think this is fine. This is absolutely fine. There's no advance and charge. There's no advance and shoot. So this is totally agree. Um, the next one, though, the Void Armor, which essentially, ostensibly, is um, uh, Armor of Contempt, which is the minus one to any incoming rend, and mm-hmm. you cannot re- uh, re-roll the wound roll or the damage roll uh, against anything with Void Armor, which is everything, yeah? Is everything as Void Armor? Everything. Everything's got everything. Void Armor. Yeah, it should right, just say everything is... in the book. This Every- is... Yeah, it should. <laughs> So this is interesting because this this isn't something people complain about all that much because in, in most of the models have a, are built on a four up armor chassis rather than the See, three up or two ups. This yeah. is this is where you're wrong. This is this is the one thing everyone complains about. I noticed. Really? Yeah, they're always. Okay. Yeah, I read a lot of community um, articles, a lot of community platforms, and now this is the one thing that people seem to complain about more than tokens. I think, and they were like, "Oh, I can't reroll the wound roll." I'm like, okay, what army are you playing? Uh, insert army that cannot re-roll wound rolls. Anyway. Like, okay, yeah. yeah. So why are you complaining about that? <laughs> there are so few armies that have N mass wound rolls or that function off wound rolls for their like major increases in damage. The vast majority is off the hit roll. I mean, I, I don't exactly. love not being able to re-roll damage rolls when I roll a one on a freaking multi-melter and I, could, I, I can't re-roll it. That always sucks. But yeah. that's most of when it's come up for me. Like that's the exactly. vast amount of times this come up for me. The real not ruling my once to wound from my lieutenant. Oh well, who cares? He's sitting on an objective this game. Exactly, and the other thing as well is is all right. Okay, so he's got armor contempt. Great. Um, like you mentioned, almost everything is a four armor safe. But um, the only things that aren't is the half guard terminators. I'm sorry, that, but like we've just had a year of space <laughs> having armor contempt on terminators <laughs> and storm yeah. shields now on we'll, terminators. We'll take our chagrin. Fair, fair. Continue. Yeah. Um, so I and none of them complained about their own army. So I don't know why they complained about that. I, hey, I did. <laughs> I yeah, yelled at all the dark. I yelled at all the dark angels players. The Boring bastards. Bless, I that, love you all. I'm sorry. That is you a are little bit different. Yeah, Dark Angels is a little worse than Void Armor, but um, so but most of the units are rolling a four plus, apart from Exosuit, so your Thunderkin. Your bikes are on a four plus, your warriors are on a four plus, um, most of your characters are on a four plus. Yep. And um your berserkers are on a six plus. So it's not that bad. It's not like it's entirely three up or two up. Um Dude, like I, I, Space Marines. Most of my games against Votan have been played using Grey Knights, and I'm like, lol, Stormbolter, <laughs> you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. It feels, feels great. <laughs> yeah, and the argument I always use is, well, okay, Void Armor, you might not like it, but I didn't sit here a single person complain about Salamanders or Iron Warriors. Yes, Iron Warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally fair. Who um, the exact same rule. <laughs> exactly the same rule. So in saying that, I think that attached the, sorry, the data slate abilities are absolutely cranked. In, in this book. I think this is one of the strongest sections and possibly the strongest two pages in any data sheet um, special rules in this edition. Yeah. I, yeah, I think this is a problem. I think if this book came out with the current nerfs or one rule was removed, no one would look at this book and think, oh, this is broken. It's not fun to play against. Yeah. The problem is, is everybody had access to the pre... Everyone saw and heard the pre-nerf codex. A bunch of um, people complained and banned the codex, and it sort of created this rabble, this um, 
anti-codex that every you know it was an echo chamber right a, a rabble are, are, are you saying that us 40k players <laughs> represented a rabble heaven forbid mate we never never have we ever thank you very much sir yeah uh, no of course not this is this this will be the first time ever yeah. <laughs> uh, there was there was a bit of a fever about this book that I do I do agree I think it was going to be a problem when it came out I do not disagree that it was going to be a toxic um, army inserted into the environment I do think it was surmountable and I don't think they deserved both the hits that they got no like I, I would I th- I actually thought in Arcs of Omen they were going to get points increases like sorry decreases like they were going to undo like ju- just leave the rules changes and undo the points changes to some degree at least yeah, on, um, you know things like the the troops and and uh, berserkers and stuff I think GW had such a backlash that they just they accepted that they just could not touch this army at all uh, yeah, apart yeah. from the thunderkin which was a really good point but we can come to that later um the the whole yeah i think if this if this codex came out with the points cost that it has if it on release it had the points cost it has now mm. or it didn't have um the 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 little paragraph that says it a non-modified wound roll of six if it auto wounds. Yeah. No one would come and say this book was broken. But because okay. it had this, it already had this bad rep before it even released, then nobody's really changed their minds about it. Um and it is what it is. I'm excited for 10 because it's gonna wipe that mental slate clean. Agreed. Uh, should be exciting. So anyway, moving yeah. on to the last section of things before we wrap this up, we're talking about some of the notable data slate, data sheets that you have found absolute value with. I think there's only like ten of these things. We'll do like <laughs> do, we'll do your top three and move on. Okay, top three, top three, top three. The top three. The first one we have to mention is bikes. Um, pioneers, pioneers, absolutely. Pioneers, right? Yeah, pa- yeah. Pioneers are amazing. I I see lists that don't even run them, and I I I, I don't know why. First of all, they have a 12-inch pregame move, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the important thing for people to know. Pioneers are OPSEC. Okay, so there's a lot. There are some missions that are sticky. So let's say take take number 13, for example. Um, mission 13 is sticky. If you hold the objective in your command phase, yep. then you can you, you hold it for the rest of the game until your opponent takes it. What I love about pioneers is you could move two units up and hold all four objectives if you go, and then if you go first. You can either push forward, create a line and stop your opponent ever getting to objectives, or you can bring them back and your opponent has to come and sit on all four objectives for them to take it off you. Exactly right. And they essentially starts to trade war heavily in your favour, if that's the game. Exactly. Exactly. Um, For me, it's the best mission. It's amazing. um, Pioneers bring you three things that you cannot get anywhere else in this book. That is a movement value of 12, a Mm pregame move, and fly, essentially. Yeah. Is anything else in the book got fly? Uh, no. Yeah, exactly. There are three things that those three things are so fundamentally necessary to the game of 40k that we play. The amount of terrain that yeah. we have, the the speed and pacing at which the game is played, and um, they are they are so freaking necessary. I don't care how, what numbers you take, but you take three units and you decide which how big those units are to whatever style you want to play. I think they're absolutely S tier necessary. They- Absolutely. They're, for me, they're the best unit in the book, and my most successful lists have run 18 every time. Um, Dude, that's so cool. All right, yeah. what's the next one? Uh, the next one for me is going to be... I don't want to go with the... Fort- I'm not going with the obvious ones like the Fortress. Yeah. Um, half Guards or Sagittar. We'll talk about the uh, Half Guard because we've mentioned them before. So the Half Guard are really good because it's not... The, the obscene amount of damage that they can put out, it's the mobility that they can provide in the game. And this is something that um, Votan lack, in a sense, is not being able to just position anywhere, but it's been able to reposition. Mm. Um, so you always take them with the teleport crest and you always take them a, a squad of warp strike. Now, yeah. in almost all of my lists, I take a squad of seven to eight because of that warp strike usage. Yep. It's just phenomenal. Mm. Um, plus... Toughness five, two wounds, minus one damage, two up armor save. Um, it's not the world's greatest for forty-five points model. They are very expensive, but they are they have really really good utility and Volkite disintegrators. I'm happy to say I was entirely wrong about these guys. I thought they were gutter trash, mostly because I look at the damage output that they do, and while I'm not, uh, it's not lacking. They like like their 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 shooting output is not awful. Their melee output is awful. Uh, their melee output <laughs> is like is worse than a rubric. Terminator, which is a comparable mm-hmm. points points 
uh, cost. Uh, the Rubik is psychic and shoots almost it, it pretty, it's essentially the same. They got better rend, they got more shots on the the Hearthguard. Mm-hmm. But the fact that how necessary these guys are for the playstyle is what gets me over the line. I have been so impressed with what exactly what you said about the utility because they do a bunch of stuff like the pioneers that this army is not expected to do or, or, or is not believed to be able to do, which is to get aggressive, take board on the other side of the table, you know, quickly redeploy or change polarities. They they really 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 need it. This essentially the way the way to do this is if a Blightlord Terminator and a Deathroud Terminator had a baby. I had one, that had that had that had one less wound was weaker in combat but got but got the veil of darkness <laughs> instead in, in exchange of being worse in combat essentially yeah that's that, that's the gist of it <clears throat> um they, yeah they just provide a lot of utility they provide a, a they provide a threat that your opponent always has to measure for as well uh, correct because you don't know when they're gonna pop they can just randomly teleport you throw up all the defensive buffs all the offensive buffs teleport them and then your opponent's like right if you leave them space they will drop in and they will delete something volkite with full rerolls is a lot of mortal wounds that you can get it's like a squad of eight i think is like on average 10 mortal wounds Mm. which can spike up or down but it is quite a phenomenal amount of uh, firepower that they can put out but then it is all if you unless you've got mortal wounds it can be quite difficult to kill them Unless you're my opponent, who do seem to kill them quite easily, because I can't <laughs> a two plus to save my life, um, they can kill quite. They they are quite a lot hard to remove. Their issue, a lot of people fall on, is obviously the forty five point per model. That is exactly. disgusting. It's like, it's when I had a thirty point storm shield thunderhammer deathwing terminator, and I looked at these guys that are for fifteen more points, I could be less durable and still not do any damage. And I was just like, yeah, that's not good enough. That is not good. Yeah, enough. I don't know. I don't know why they felt the need to increase their points cost. Um, but yeah, hey, oh well. Um, here we are. You guys are still taking them. You you wacky bastards. Um, <laughs> all right, last pick. Okay, part of me wants to say Sagittar because they are they are really good, but I'm going to say Berserkers. Um, I think Berserkers, so Berserkers are the one thing that I see mixed reviews on. A lot of people say, I don't really like Berserkers because they move five inches. It's hard to, you know, get any value out of them. And for me, they are phenomenal. Um, why? So we play on WTC, you do in Australia. Not every country does so. I understand America don't quite like them because they all play on their... We'll not discuss how poor their terrain is, but they're on their Adepticon-style terrain. <laughs> where... They're not really that valuable because there's um, there's nowhere for them to go. But for me, they are incredible. So you throw them in in mirror, they have a five up invulnerable save. They naturally have five up fill no pain or four versus damage one. That already is insane. Yeah. Then so for every most of every time I'm taking a concussion more because who doesn't like an AP three strength ten thunder hammer? But yeah. if you then start adding in the grenade launcher. Um, you, you're already whacking a massive potential utility on the fact that he can provide that minus one to um, that half movement and that fight last. But also, they they reroll charges um, and they fight on death. So a big problem with Votan is a lot of times your opponents, smart opponents, can stage really important high-value targets behind ruins that your army necessarily can't get to because you're not, mm. not quick enough. These boys can just charge from a fortress or charge from your um, uh, from your Sagittars. As long as you've got good terrain where you can fit a fortress or a Sagittar near yep. the midboard, they're going to get to most objectives, and that is valuable for me. I agree. I think I, I rate them pretty highly, um, but I tend to feel like they're the same as um, as what are the riders for? Oh my god, the rough riders for guard. As in, like if you want to play a certain game that 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 makes them good, they will be very good. But there are there are game plans that you can build around that don't require them, is, is what I've discovered with Guard, essentially. And I, I, is, is, that a, is that a fair comparison, though? For me, personally, I don't, I don't think so. The fair? issue... Yeah, I don't think so, because um, Guards still have things like no loss shooting. They still have a, a ability, an ability to be... They still have that one-time teleport Kazakin that can come and just wreck whatever, whatever they want to touch. They still have an ability to get units behind... Objectives that they couldn't naturally get. So whilst yeah, the riders uh, are good, they're still going to clash and slap into something in the front line. That is fair. That is fair. Um, in saying berserkers, what what numbers do you generally respect in the berserkers <laughs> field? Like how many do you take? Um, usually ten or a big squad of seven or eight. However, and, th- 
the next tournament, the big uh, team tournament, I'm building an attacking style vote on this, and I'm going to take either 20 or 25. How many Sagittars? Because that's the idea, right? You take the Sagittars. Because yeah, exactly. there, so, there are so many times when 10 Berserkers is just like a multitude of overkill that you always want to have the option for five mans, yeah? Yeah, I, 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 unless I've got Sagittars, I'll never run a, a 10-man squad. I'll always have two times five. But uh, next weekend, I'll be taking either four or five Sagittars. I can't decide Ooh. if I want to take a Fortress or not. Um, but like, there's just something about just like I imagine I'm not gonna be able to do this in tens, so I'm gonna do it now. Um, I really like the playstyle of just rushing Sagittars up towards a midboard, hide them all behind ruins, yeah, and then unless you've got like really strong uh, melter. They're not actually that easy to kill than people expect. And then you've got like 20 to 25 berserkers that can just mm-hmm. move out eight inches and then reroll charge and charge you. That's just quite a threat. Terrifying midboard pressure. I, I think it's really cool. I actually had a dude, I had a list that was um Urani that had, I think it was six Sagittars in it, six toughness, eight Sagittars in mm-hmm. it, all full of all full of berserkers. That was gonna be a meme's dream. Like right there. But um is that Cronus? Are you playing that as Cronus or are you playing that as Yumi's? No, still? I'm gonna play it as a the, the issue it, it depends i need to talk to my team because it's about where do i need to fit my because i want it so just i'll quickly explain so basically i wanted to take votan because i've taken gse for the last few times but we already have um guard we already have um iron hands so there's no room for a defender so yeah uh, so now the question is, is what do I need to counter? So that and the answer to that question will decide if I want to take it to Kronos because it's more fun, or do I want to take mm-hmm. it as a because it's more sturdy? Well, exactly right. If if um, Votan is just going to roll over whatever you're you're hunting anyway, you can play the more fun build. But if you need to exactly. be more more well rounded, then you you got to do what you got to do. Exactly. Yeah, Sometimes mate. it is quite hard to kill a berserker that's got a five up invulnerable and five up filibert. It, oh, dude, it really is. It's so frustrating. But anyway, on that note, that brings us to the end of the re- retrospective review for the leagues of Votan. I do need to let everybody know that um, I think I'm going to be short two codexes when this is all said and done. I think we are getting pretty close to needing to just do the ninth edition retrospectives now. And just uh, I'm going to miss out on the World Eaters and the Astro Time codex retrospectives, so to say. We'll slide this in at the end just as we're finishing up. Uh, but we will see. Maybe I'll get one more in before I have to start doing the full edition recap episodes. Uh, but we're, yeah, stay tuned. Hopefully there's something to be excited about. Mate, in closing for the leagues of Votan, where are they at right now in your estimation in the competitive tier lists? Um... Low, high B, low A, I would say. Um, I know. Yeah, a lot of people disagree, but a lot of the problem with Votan is they smash mid-board players, and then when they come to players that know how to how to avoid tokens, how to stop movement, and essentially counter them, they just get crushed on t- uh, tables. Unless you play in uh, Adepticon style terrain where they can sit there and shoot everybody. <laughs> Are you having <laughs> to dig really it get... on? Having to dig it yeah. on right there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love it. But, yeah, uh, then how'd you lose? But other than that, yeah, it's, it's low B, high A tier. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I uh, think in the, in the, a, the high B, low A. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's high. It's it's the B plus A minus kind of spectrum. I believe. Exactly. But anyway, on that note, let's wrap this up, mate. Anything you would like to plug once again, or anywhere people can find you if they want to chat or talk shop, Votan wise. Um, I mean, I'm in the Votan Discord. I'm in quite a few competitive discords. Try hard. The try community is fantastic. Uh, Stat check community is fantastic. Um, Selfless plug to Team Poland. We'll be in the WTC if you're if you're there. Root for them. Uh, <laughs> Austra- uh, yeah, we want to beat Australia this year. Um, and then of course, uh, contact lost. Um, as always, if you want to hear some really good interviews, some really good podcasts, please listen. And then of course, Art of War Down Under. Fantastic podcast as well. Ah, thank you, mate. Look at these upstart polls who've never won anything or gone anywhere at the WTC level. Talking <laughs> talking smack about my venerable, you know, dynasty of Australian competitive WTC teams. Anyway, thank you so much for coming <laughs> on, mate. Really appreciate no your time. Pleasure. Thank you. Uh, take care, mate. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under. A content review podcast for Warhammer 40k. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.